Bienvenidos y welcome to the Biz Bruja podcast, where reclaiming our powerful intuition, our sacred medicina, embracing our magic and healing ancestral patterns, invoke powerful creations in our own well-being, our lives, familias, community, and our businesses. Remembering that our businesses are so important at this time. I'm the creatrix of this blogcast, the biz bruja herself, Vanessa Codornu, a modern-day bruja, fourth-generation psychic medium, clinical hypnotist, energy healer, and soul biz mentor and coach. An Argentine-American who started reading adults at 16, became a professional intuitive at 22, and now guides creatives, intuitives, healers, and entrepreneurs to break through fears, connect to the practical power of their intuition so they can serve the world powerfully. Hola, mi gente bella. ¿Cómo están? Welcome, welcome to my first interview of 2024. I'm so excited to have this beautiful mujer here with us. I see her in the community and I was like, hey, Leslie, hi, Leslie. And we're like, hello. And I was like, I think we need to sit down sister to sister, hermana to hermana, and like really discuss the spiritual path and being Latina in the world, but especially also Central PA and globally. So everyone, please open your hearts for Leslie Avila. Hola, Leslie. Thank you, Vanessa, for inviting me on. I'm really excited to have this special chat. I can already feel it. Hi, everybody. Nice to meet you virtually. Yes. So everyone, please, before we get into it, and you know that we are, I want to read Leslie's bio. Leslie is a community organizer trained in the wellness arts, as well as a storyteller and writer. She's the founder of Delightful Co., a lifestyle and wellness company. She has been gathering community for workshops and classes for over 10 years. Leslie is passionate about creating multidisciplinary spaces for personal and professional success. She's a storyteller and word artist in the midst of working on her first book to be published. Leslie uses her words and indigenous healing practices to provide healing spaces through private sessions and group workshops. So there's so much here that I want to talk about, Congrats, <laughs> but let's start from the beginning. I like to like sometimes be a little linear, but yes. So how did your, I know that you're Ecuadorian. How did your family get here, come here? Um, and especially Central PA, because like I grew up in New York City where there's a lot more, you know, diversity and all. What was that like coming here? Like, tell us that part of the story. Yeah. So like you even said, you know, from Ecuador, my parents went to New York City. That's where I was born. And we moved to, yeah, Queens, New York in the building, you know, in the blood. Yes, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so we moved to central Pennsylvania um, about 16 to 17 years ago. I was nine years old. And yeah, so I was super young. But the difference, I mean, just I still go back to New York. We still have roots there and raices there. So the difference is massive. I remember when we first came over here, you know, I couldn't fall asleep for a couple of days because the noise, I was like, there's nothing here. It was like, it's so silent and it's so <laughs> large. Um, so coming here, you know, it's it's not as diverse as, as New York at, at all. So it was a, it was an interesting pattern and, and learning opportunity and experience here. So yeah, it was a, yeah. Ask me another question, please, yeah, about that I think, experience. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, like, compared to when you came and compared to what we're dealing with now, I feel like there's a renaissance right now in terms of inclusion and diversity and, like, openness in Central PA. Like, from when you first came to now. Yes, thank you. All this healing and just business and all of that. 
Yeah, I mean, even like before, right, my my business and my entrepreneurial endeavors, just growing up as like a Latina here, it was so like, I actually haven't ever said this story in public, so I would love to share. I mean, it was just so weird. Like the people around you are just so used to like the typical American person. I mean, I didn't know like English grammar that well in vocabulary. I had friends that would look at me so weird because I didn't know this English slang or this historical context. I'm like, and you know, I, I couldn't, I didn't understand it back then. I'm like, dang, I should have known that. But now growing up, I'm like, of course I didn't know that. I'm not American. I'm not from here. I was born in New York, but like my culture and my life, my life, my household was breathing Ecuador, was breathing Latina. So I'm like, of course, I didn't know this, this and this. I didn't grow up here. I'm not from here. I didn't have parents that are from here. So it's very different. Like, I think I, when I grew up now, the culture shock is happening after the fact. Because when yeah. I was younger, I didn't, I wasn't conscious enough. And thank you for agreeing because I never said this out loud. And, you know, the, I wasn't able to process the culture shock or process what was happening. So now as I grow up, I'm like, wow, I went through a lot being around American people, uh, you know, a lot of them Anglo and that I, I I didn't have any relation to. And I had more, you know, friends of the Afro diaspora growing up because, you know, we could relate more, although they were still like, um, you know, they grew up in America and they, some of them uh, um, identified as African-American, but we had something to relate to. We come from different places. We come from loud earth places you know and we come from deep places and there was a a lot that as young kids you know we couldn't communicate but we knew that there was something there and we felt the relation so I mean and now like you said in my entrepreneurial in my entrepreneurship endeavors and just growing up like there's a lot of people focused on DEI work and being inclusive and you know there's all these I like to call them you know, politically correct terms, but it's just being open to different people at, at its root core is, is being a human and coming back to community connection and collaboration. So it's definitely different from, you know, growing up and even just in high school and graduating high school. So till now, so it's been good to see. Yeah. Oh my God. No. And it's true because um, I was born in another country. I was born in Peru and I came here with my parents and um, I didn't learn English till I was five because I'm speaking Spanish in the house all the time. And now it's not that prevalent. You can't hear it because I worked really hard on it, but I was bullied. And so I used to speak like this all the time because that's how you speak when you come from South America. At least my people did, you know, yeah. where are you yeah. going? the house is on fire, you know, like this. And so my mother didn't even learn English till even when she passed or right? she passed 2020. And so one of the things that I tell people here, thank you is like, don't get it twisted. Like, yes, I'm light colored. So I didn't have the um, racism of the color per se. Although people were like, mm, you're not quite, you're like, you're white, but you're not, right? Us. I said, don't get it twisted, right? I'm not American like you, where you've been here 200, 300 years. I don't have family here. I had to learn the language. My parents didn't know anything. How to, how to maneuver through college, how to get into college, how to maneuver creating businesses. I mean, these are things that we have to learn. And so I hear you. And I'm so glad that you got to see Central PA before it started to like grow. And then like when it started to, and I just appreciate your work so much. When did you start opening up to your spiritual journey, your spiritual path? You know, how, how what was that process like? 
Thanks. Yeah. So I love this story because it was really, I mean, I was so deep in the matrix and in the brainwash of being like normal, like everybody else. So my awakening was so abrupt. And I always say that it had to be that abrupt for me to get out <laughs> and for me to see the light. Because if it wasn't that abrupt, I would have just been like, mm, anyway, oh, just a little, just a little voice, whatever. So I had plant medicine, um, the mushroom, mother, father, sister, and brother. Uh, and I took it in a very irresponsible way. You know, I was a big advocate for plant medicine, but in a responsible usage and in conscious and intentional usage. And I was an unconscious, uh, unintentional teenager when I took it. But like I said, it was the kick in the ass that me levantó. It woke me up. So I think that the biggest reason why it woke me up was because I felt and saw something so much deeper and more beautiful than I have ever seen in the 3D world before. And so I didn't understand it, but what it did for me is que me, me hizo like preguntar, I was like questioning, what was that? And what is the world that I live in in every day? Why don't I feel this every day? And what's the bridge? What's that gap? What is going on here? Yeah. And I started asking the right questions. And, you know, I was motivated by what I felt. It was obviously that strong that I continued to search for it. I found yoga. I found nutrition. I found healthy eating, grounding, tree hugging. Um, I found writing through that experience. And so all those little hobbies that I had really cultivated this, you know, deep yearning for connecting back with the spirit and the earth world, the spirit world. Oh my God. I love that so much. I love Thank how you, you said, you know, I'm having this experience and how come I'm not having this experience every day? And what, was the bridge? And how did you... So you opened up, you asked the right questions, you followed the journey, you went to yoga, you went to food. When did you decide, right, to become an entrepreneur? Or did you decide, like, I would say I did not want to be an entrepreneur. It was just <laughs> that my gift set and my, 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 my set of skills did not fit into a corporate description, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah. eventually, in older than you, I came into, I did part-time for a long time, but older than you, I wanted creating a business just because it was like, Hello, my friends were like, duh, like you've been gathering us for 18 years. Like, when are you going to do this? Um, but what was the process for you of questioning reality, starting your path more consciously, and then deciding or finding the entrepreneur journey or path? Yeah, thank you so much. Because, right, what is that gap? And we'll talk about this later. But, you know, right now I support, I'm a business coach and consultant for entrepreneurs, like startup, startup entrepreneurs, like before revenue. And so I like, what's the gap? How do we get from like dreaming and hobbies to, to doing something about it and being able to have the tools and resources to do something about it. And so my entrepreneurship journey is similar to yours. But I actually could fit in a corporate office, like with, with some of my legit, my logical skills. But there was, there's no other option for me to. There's no other option for me. Being an entrepreneur, it kind of wasn't a choice, and it kind of is a choice because every single day I'm like, 
I need to show myself and the world that everything that I was jabbling, like yabbling about when I was 19, todo eso era verdad. Like it was true. And, you know, right when we mature, we're able to, to consciously get these thoughts together and make more sense of them. But when I was 19, I was just yelling like, do you know that you can feel something deep within? Do you know that you have a spirit? You're creative too. It doesn't have to be like all the other creatives. Go outside, take your shoes off. And the more I started yelling it, I'm like, and I, the more I started to understand that people weren't understanding me, I said, no, I need to make people understand. I said, because it's going to free them. And I think that my true motivation and everyday push is I want everybody to be free. And freedom can look different in different ways, but free from society's rules on them, free from their own judgment, boundaries, and jail cells, free from the trauma that they went through with their family, free from the, the nose. Uh, from their parents and the are you stupid from their parents or their siblings or their classmates and so that push was I need people to believe me but it wasn't just for me I need people to believe me because when they figure it out oh my goodness you will be so grateful that I figured it out to make you understand so that you could be free and so it's just this cycle right this reciprocal like we need to know this We need to know this. And so I started, um, you know, just calling everything. My company's name is Delightful Company. So I, I started very small, you know, just calling everything that people did with me. Let's have a delightful meeting, a delightful workshop. And so I started like kind of branding there. I was like, I want life to be delightful. And so I just always started doing that. And then I had, you know, community gatherings. I was getting like three to five people together. And I was like, hey, let's do a delightful event. And so it started very, very small, but intentional. I love it. I love it so much. And I love that. And I'd relate to you because like when my guides were talking to me, you know, I was like, I want everybody to know. And I was like, you know, trying to tell everybody at the spirit and all that. And, you know, people were like, mm. so I love maybe there's a similar path of that, you know. It's uh, and I think that so many of us can fit into the corporate world through our intellect and our and our strategy, but but like for me, the psychic medium shit didn't fit in, and for you, the fact that you were like, no, let's break the status quo, let's be free, let's be free, and I love that for you, and I love how you started branding it. I mean, I don't, did you do it consciously, or just it was just like a soul thing, or both, or to just call everything delightful, delightful gathering, delightful lunch, delightful business meeting. So um, it's th that started happening intentionally. I was like, delightful is a part of me. Everybody needs to know that everything I do is delightful. <laughs> everything <laughs> I do is to create a delightful Man, world. And you're going to like it. It's going to be delightful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. They're going to know. So yes. Good. Yeah. So it, it, it happened pretty intentionally. Yes. Thank you for the question. <laughs> I love that so much. And I love your energy and your fire about it. Porque you're, we need more delight. I think one of the things that I never liked about the world, to be honest with you, is that a lot of people who know things then act jaded. 
you know, I don't know if you've ever met like jaded spiritual people, jaded intellectual people, jaded activists, jaded, jaded. And I'm like, and I'm always passionate no matter what my age is. And because I'm like, you just, even if you know things, there's always more amazing things that can happen. And so I love that you're bringing this energy and this value and this importance to delightful, having delight, being in awe, being in joy, right? Just because there's so many heavy things in the world. And that is- yeah. And I think it also like connects to one of my uh, missions and like passions is to make everything feel so like a kid is seeing it for the first time, right? That feeling when a kid sees something and understands how a machine works, it's so beautiful. There's a word and I'm just forgetting it, but, and so I, I want to bring that awe? back. Is it awe when you're full of awe, like <gasps> wonder? No, but that is a great word. It is. It's that all inside of you. Um, and it's so bringing that back is like important because then you, you're this grumpy old person walking around and you're bored and you're mad at everything. And, you know, that's just when, when life got a hold, when, when the world, the modern world got a hold of you and you forgot, you know, your, your fun. Yes. I love that so much. So correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not sure. Do you have, a, a LLC and a nonprofit? Yes. So I have a for-profit company and a nonprofit company. Okay. For organization. How did you decide? Because lately I've been, I've always thought of doing a nonprofit, but I haven't. And I've talked to so many people who are like, no girl, don't do it. And I've been a board member. So I want to hear your great experience as a nonprofit, you know, and what, you know, why you decided to do it. Yes. And I love that you say that because, you know, I'm understanding. I, so I founded the nonprofit about two years ago. And now I'm like, okay, this is a little bit more work than we had imagined. But um, the reason why I wanted to create a nonprofit, and even though some nonprofits in the world today, they kind of tainted this image. But for me, nonprofits were helping hands. You know, that's how I saw it when I was a kid. I'm like these nonprofit organizations are helping the world. And of course, we see a lot of tainting today, you know, and, and that, that kind of awe may, may have left. But I truly feel that a nonprofit organization can be a selfless and service-focused organization, a gathering company group that can really uh, do wonders. Not that a nonprofit, a for-profit can't because a LLC, a business can very much so. Um, but so th- I think that kid in me was like, I want to create this helping hand and you know I don't regret it any second of creating it and I think every day I'm learning more about you know just understanding impact and reach because you know right so am I working as a volunteer in the nonprofit or am I working in the administration of the nonprofit so the administration of the nonprofit is what I do and that's a little bit more heavy lifting and, and administrative work but I still feel, yeah, I don't, I don't, I love learning every bit of it of how to organize it in such a way that we can do good and not be like everybody, all the other nonprofits who perhaps tainted it, you know, yeah. through their own mishaps. And I know some great nonprofits and they're very happy doing what they do. Yes. Lately, I was talking to people who are like, oh girl, if I knew that it was going to be like this, but who knows what their capacity is, right? Sometimes yes. if you already have a job and you have kids and you, you know, everybody's different, yes. everybody's capacity. And for you, um, what are you do? What are you doing as a helping hand with your nonprofit, or what are you planning to do? You know, what are you doing or planning to do? Yeah, 
Yeah, so the nonprofit um, has different committees. Um, our two most rolled out committees is our litter cleanup and education committee. So within that, we have an initiative that we clean up once a month. We clean up the streets of Harrisburg, of central Pennsylvania area. And um, yeah, I hated seeing litter on the street. And I was like, and I just started cleaning it up myself. I'm like, well, I might as well gather people and just like clean up together. But I know that that's also, you know, I had a mentor of mine. She was like, you can't just keep cleaning everybody's trash because they're not going to learn and they're going to keep littering and you're going to keep kicking it up. And it was like a, uh, but it was like a bing at the same time. So that started our education and we're hoping to roll out some curriculum that we can take to like teachers and classrooms in the greater Harrisburg area to really implement into kids at a young age, right? Because I feel like that's where the change starts is our future generation. So teaching them, you know, what litter truly does to our mental health, our environmental health, our water health, our physical and spiritual health. And then, uh, so that'll be our education part of the, of the litter cleanup. And then the other committee that is um, a little bit less rolled out than the uh, litter cleanup, but is our wellness committee. And so through that, hopefully at the end of this year, we'll start, I started taking scholarships last year, but we had to just cancel because capacity, but really giving people scholarships to be able to get yoga classes, massage classes, Tai Chi, Kung Fu, Qigong, um, you know, uh, all these other skills and abilities, like how to connect, go ground, right? And these are things that insurance might not cover. And that these are things that you might not think of priority when you're in a, a state of survival, right? You're thinking about food, shelter, you think about food and shelter yeah. and clothing, and so, right, why would we put aside money for this, like, expensive yoga class? And so we want to give people the opportunity to try out these classes. Maybe you won't like them. So these scholarships are very, one of the very big part that we're excited about. And also, I forgot to mention, quickly, uh, we have a compost initiative under this. And so we're starting to roll out in March our Community Compost Coalition. So we'll be able to offer Harrisburg residents, greater uh, greater Harrisburg residents with a compost bucket and a location to compost their green waste, which I'm so passionate about because, oh my gosh, how many pineapple heads are in the trash when they could be back in the soil? Oh my God. Leslie, I love this so much. And as I asked you the question earlier, I had seen the cleanup initiative on your page and I'm like, I was like, but it's okay because I wanted you to like, you know, talk on this, but this is so great. And I love it because it's different. I think that sometimes people want to help, want to go for the, for some lofty thing. And the fact is that trash that's right on the ground affects, like you said, our mental health, it affects our environment, it affects uh, our physical health, it affects, and I love that you are doing that and teaching people and then creating this other committee for the wellness so people could be exposed to that. Because I think so much that our a lot of our communities, you know, I'll talk a little bit about improv, right? But our communities sometimes were afraid of meditation in the past. You know, when I was younger, maybe not for your time, but my time, people were afraid of certain things. And I can say that when I saw improv in New York, I just saw white guys smashing imaginary beers on their head going, dude. And I was like, I don't want to like do that improv. What is that? You know, and that's improvised theater. And then I came here and, of course, everybody was very white, blah, 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 like gringo from here for like 400 years. 
or when yeah. I was like 200, 400 year white, you know, which is fine, people. If you're listening, I love you too. I'm just saying uh, when you're new, you're still adapting. Hmm? Yes. So I remember. And then I was like, why didn't I come here sooner? Um, I didn't think it was for me. And so I love that you're teaching people about literally teaching people about yoga and maybe someday improv. You know, I want to throw that in there with you. But girl, I'm ready. You can communities have to remember that yoga is for us and improv is for us. And there's nothing out there that isn't for us. Mm-hmm. No matter what we've been taught or if we don't see ourselves on TV or we don't see ourselves in the advertising, it's for us because we exist. And, and I love that. Oh my God, this is really powerful stuff. Yes. Thank you. And you know, it, it, it you, like you said, like there's nothing out there that isn't for us because our communities, ancestral communities, They had a form of improv, a form of yoga, a form of meditation. It just wasn't called those English words. And it maybe had a different format. But our ancestral communities, they had forms of healing and art and cultural expression that was lost over the years because of oppression and because of colonialization and modernization and industrialization. So we're just reviving it. And we're in America using English words. And that's why we're going to improv. But we're just coming back to ourselves, really. And honoring what was always for us. Yes. Go powerhouse. (laughs) Go powerhouse. I love it. I love that you brought up the ancestral, that we already had it, because it leads me to the questions. Leslie, what are some of the ancestral patterns you had to heal or release or alchemize in order to be who you are today? Yeah, that's such a powerful question. And you know, I said it earlier, I'm like, this is, I think about this every day, you know, when you're on the path, like, as a wellness worker, uh, you know, wellness arts, cultural arts, community organizer, there is a a certain amount of self-awareness that just has to always remain, because you're working so head on with these, you know, structures that we have to break down, and with these projects that we need to lift up. And so you need to be your full self in order to to do that work every day um so it's a it's everyday work so and i mentioned this um already a little bit but the oppression that happened you know i had to literally and i still am tackling it all the time to remove shame guilt embarrassment and judgment from me so that I can be my full authentic authentic self. When you think about it, you know, the colonizers who came to our países, to our communities, they stripped us from everything we had. And if we dared to touch it, and if we dared to speak about it, we were ridiculed and punished. And so over time, you know, that was lost. And then even though the, the colonizers perhaps they, you know, integrated, became mestizo or left, that ridicule and that punishment lives on. So how many, you know, how how many voices do I hear when, you know, I was doing meditation and and teaching yoga for the first time in, in large classes from, you know, people in my, in my outer family saying, what are you doing? That's silly or that's weird. And how much of that stayed within that I didn't recognize and that we have to let go of because we were meant to think, we were brainwashed into thinking 
that cap modern capital, modern industry, modern clothing, it could be anywhere, modern clothing, modern thinking, ways of ways of uh, patterns of thinking, ways of thinking, belief systems, that the modern way and the Anglo way and the normal and systematic way, that's the only way to go. That's the only path to go. And anything outside of that, they're outcast or ridiculed, like I said. So, you know, every day I feel that that's one of the biggest things to break down is that voice and that feeling that makes you think that you're silly for trying something new or that you're out of your league or that you're weird. And I have felt deeply in love with the word weird. I would take that word over anything today because it's, you know, taking that, that word back, take land back, word back, you know, language back. So, yeah. I love that so much and so beautiful and so deep. And I think that most of us who've been exposed to um, white centric ways and this is the only way to do it or this myth of perfectionism that doesn't exist. Um, when we, I met so many people and clients and students who think that if they don't do something from get go, they can't do it. I'm like, nobody was coming out of my, our mom's vajayjay, you know, an expert. <laughs> we may have carried the wisdom of the soul. We still needed to grow up. We still need to practice it. And that, you know, our ancestors, they did what they did over and over and over again to become masters of it. You know, they built the irrigation systems, they built their sewer systems, they built pathways, the Incas, you know, Aztecs, the Mayans, they have. And, and if they did it over generations over time, if we only try something once and give up. And, and I think that, and, you know, I think that, like, let's say folks who've been here for centuries don't have that. I think that us newer people, right, um, we are the ones, who, oh, my God, but I should know that, but I should have it, you know. It's like, no. <laughs> no you know and so I know that as I've gotten older that I have allowed myself and I always say to be a beginner to always be a beginner no matter what age I am right to allow ourselves like you said to be in awe well you didn't say that word but to be childlike to look at the thing yes, as new yes. excitement and it's like we need to cultivate that when reclaiming parts of ourselves so I love that mm. and I do yeah the word weird and what are some of the ancestral gifts you're leaning into to be who you are and be the leader and community leader, you know, that you are now and becoming. Yeah. And, you know, I think being weird, let's go, I'm running with it. I think that's one of the, because being weird, right? What does that really, word really entail? It's being different. It is being unique. It is being special. It is being unlike others. Yes. And so that is what I really have to lean into is myself being the whole person that I am, weirdness and all. And I really have, and, you know, in order to be who I am, complete my mission, uh, affect, positively affect the people around me and myself and to free myself, I have to lean into me, who I am and the weird gifts that I, you know, was, was born with and maybe have developed over time. You know, and to name a few, right? Because we all have these these diverse and intersecting, you know, gifts inside of us that maybe make sense sometimes, and maybe they don't. Right. And so to and so to name a few, uh, being able to 
listen to the body was really a gift that I loved to cultivate in my wellness arts work because, you know, the body was able to speak to me, you know, earlier and like, I can, I can follow where your pain and where your discomfort is and understand the systems through to, through touch and through feeling and through listening. And another ancestral gift that I'm leaning into is the fire woman that is inside of me and letting her loose. She is so loud. And for so long, you know, I think we're, maybe you had this experience when I was younger, like you're too loud or you're too annoying or like, ah, stop bothering. And so like really just being, yeah, (laughs) talking too much. So just being the, the, the leader that I am and, you know, stepping into that and not be ashamed or, shy, you know, I carry a little shyness with me because it's so funny because I'm so open and, and wide. So I, I feel this shyness sometimes coming in and recognizing it, giving her love and, you know, being like, Nana, you are a firecracker, be it. So. I love that yeah. so much. Oh, my God. I just love listening to you. How um, what's coming up for you? And you give me a lot of hope, you know, because as an older healer, you know, my teachers are in their 70s now and their 80s. I was the bridge. My teachers, a lot of them did not have abundance from their gifts. You know, I've gotten a lot of emails and stuff where we've had to donate money to get people wheelchairs and to get people like support and nurses because my teachers before me were like almost brainwashed that like you can't charge money for the gifts and you can't do that. And those says they were in a bad place. And so for me... I'm actually the generation that brought my business online after just serving community for a long time in New York and did it. And so I look back and I'm like, okay, who's coming up? Who's coming up? Or not even back to the side, right? Because you're right there on the side walking. It's not to back, but to the side. And then looking forward, like who's, you know, once I leave the planet, who's coming up to be the next elder? So I see you as that, right? Like you're the future elder, right? I'm the future ancestor, you're a future elder. And so you give me a lot of hope, you know, as I hear you about taking care of the earth, about reclaiming our our gifts, about staying, you know, excited about allowing ourselves to reclaim our weird, right? I used to have um, a campaign that I used to call work your weird, right? Like about working our intuition and our business, right? So work your weird was a thing that I did like in 2014. Um, And so when you brought up about reclaiming your weird, I'm like, yes, girl, yes. Wow. Uh, a lot of hope. You give me a lot of hope as, a, as you know, somebody in what mid twenties that is already, you know, with your business, with a nonprofit, with your dreams firmly like rooted and making an impact. Um, what's coming up for you? Where can people find you? So let us know so we, people can follow you. Thank you. So um, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, the company is called A Delightful Company with two L's. And it'll be linked to my, you'll be able to find my personal, which is delight is full, F-U-L-L. We are full of light over here. And Instagram is a great platform to follow me through. It is linked to my newsletter is linked to my Facebook. It is linked to uh, our new podcast that we're relaunching. We had the podcast like about two years ago. So relaunching that. And so it's it's the best place for everything coming up. And what I'm really excited to share with everybody, and thank you so much, Vanessa, is my first book will be published. And we're going to be going on a light 
uh, tour, book release tour around the Central PA area, perhaps have some in New York and in California where we and uh, Texas and Dallas where we have some of our uh, community members there as well. And so the book is called Journey to Freedom, and it's a collection of 12 of my writings, uh, not written in chronological order, but sequenced in such a way to tell my story as a young woman and my journey to my womanhood, womb, and hood freedom. So that will be released in the next month. And you can follow my Instagram and you can sign up for the newsletter and you'll be looped into all of our um, amazing projects coming up soon and, and the book release as well. Love that so, so much. And so before we close, I can't wait to get my hands on the book. Um, if you want to take a moment, is there any message that, I mean, you've given us so many today. What are What is a message that you have for, you know, the folks who are listening today? It came pretty quick. Wow. Don't stop believing. Anything you think of can be true. Anything that you dream of can be true. So don't stop believing. Even if it, you, like Vanessa said, you step to the side derail you know go off on a detour but just never stop believing thank you so much thank you vanessa leslie and for everyone follow her support her we are supporting our future elders as we also navigate our own healing journeys and our own businesses and our own communities mandándole mucho amor gracias de nuevo leslie can't wait to have you back on after you yes we got to share it and um, also very excited that Leslie's going to be on the Spanish podcast. None of you have really heard much about it because it's been secretly in the making, but I'm going to interview her and she's going to be there too. So you got to listen to her there as well. Gracias. Bye, everyone. Gracias, Vanessa.